With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs back with you once again alongside Rob Howe. What's up, Rob? Well, we're starting this a little late because I got my hair cut today, which yeah. uh, is uh, something new for me. Uh, in two th- I think it's my, eh, it's probably my third haircut, but first since March. So, How often uh, do you typically get a haircut in, in normal yeah, times? Wait, once every month, yeah. maybe two months, <laughs> something like that. Was this so. like the longest your hair had been since you were a... A punk kid yeah, in high school or something. If it, if it wasn't, it, I can't remember when, <laughs> when it was longer, but I started to just kind of, maybe it was my own insecurity, but I started to sense people <laughs> looking at me like, what is going on with this dude? I had kind of had like a, like a Reverend Jim Ignatowski and uh, Albert Einstein feel going on. And I did take a before picture, so I may may post may, may for for people to have a laugh on Monday. I may post the before and after shots, but uh, I looked down, you know, around the chair after I got out, and it was just hair everywhere. And I have a lot of gray hair too, so it may, maybe it makes me look younger. At least that's the story I'm going to go with. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Right? It certainly will make your, your give give your neck a little less strain uh, holding your head up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Rob, as we as we sit here on Monday, as we have for several Mondays in a row, it feels like things could change pretty quickly. And and by the time this podcast is out to the the listening public, uh, things may be different. But as we sit here today, uh, you know, honestly, I'm trying to think back. I think it was early June, maybe, when it really felt like there was a lot of confidence for things getting back to normal or at least some level back to normal by the fall. And uh, I remember Gary Barta talking about, you know, they were still planning to have a full Kinnick Stadium on game day and and all of these things. Obviously, as June continued, it kind of fell apart. and, And then we've been putting the pieces back together for the last couple of months. But as I sit here today... I guess this is about as confident as I felt since that early June time uh, that we will see Hawkeye football in the year 2020. We can talk about whether or not we should and, and what has changed and what has happened between now and then, but it does now feel like uh, th- there are some there's some reporting happening uh, outside of the likes of Sir Yacht uh, that that, that I'm, I, I do trust a little bit more, uh, and, and obviously there's still a lot up in the air, but it does feel, at least for me as I sit here today, Uh, it feels like there's a maybe even a good chance that we will get Big Ten football yet in 2020. 
Yeah, I think that's a good way to frame it, Andrew, as a good chance. I'm still not going to go all in with my mental uh, uh, commitment to this just because I just I still wonder that, you know, they, they met, I guess, on Saturday or yesterday on Sunday. I can't remember. They, they met over the weekend. I guess maybe the medical people got together on Saturday and and formed uh, you know uh, a presentation to present to the presidents and chancellors on Sunday um, and we're recording this what on September 14th on Monday September 14th and, and as Andrew said this could things may have changed by the time you even hear this even though we try to post it as soon as possible <laughs> but um, yeah I mean from the reports are out there, um, again, we're not hearing anything directly from the Big Ten. You have to hope that some of these reporters have direct lines, and I think some of them have been around long enough where um, they at least have um, sources that I think are, are reliable. Uh, I'm just I'm hesitant just because of, as you said, things that have changed so much much uh, just over the last two or three months, and and you know we get ourselves you know kind of hopeful and and yeah it's going to happen and um you, you know the bottom line is you still have to have nine of the 14 and and there were three last time that voted to to play football iowa nebraska and ohio state are there six more presidents and chancellors who feel comfortable playing uh after what 34 i think this is the 34th day since they decided to postpone the season um that is the question and until they take that vote and we hear that they are ready to go ahead it looks you know a couple reports that it would be october 17th and we can talk about kind of the the re-entry and um i had an interesting twitter exchange with uh with um maurice goodson yesterday just mm-hmm. on his concerns yeah. about these guys getting back into shape and being able to play and not trying to rush it so you can get into the national national championship picture so plenty more to discuss here on that but i'm just gonna i, I want to be cautiously optimistic so i don't get myself too high and then get disappointed again. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way as, as I've said a couple of times. You know, until somebody tells me that those presidents are considering changing their mind, I'm not really going to buy into it. And it does seem like, as you said, that they were presented with uh, a new batch of medical uh, information. Uh, possibly, you know, rapid testing supplies and things like that. Uh, and then, obviously, you're seeing kind of college football happen on campuses around the country, and uh, some with fans, some without fans. But uh, we'll, I, I think the next maybe few days, few weeks, will certainly tell us a lot about uh, how successful or unsuccessful this first real big weekend was um, and, and whether or not that will play into it. Uh, but it's – I, I am I'm withholding like my full you know excitement as you are because until we know you know and Dan Patrick reporting this morning or, or you know his source had kind of told him you know these schools are in and these schools are out and and when you do that and you look at okay you're saying both Michigan schools are out both Illinois schools schools are out and Maryland is out uh, you assume Rutgers is out there there goes the the nine votes already uh, so I, I guess does this have to be all or none I mean obviously the vote doesn't have to be all or none but the Big Ten is a league that has prided itself uh, up until these last 34 days or so on being very solid uh, ha- having one face you know they, they are together they are as together as any league in the country 
country, um, and it, they certainly don't seem together right now. Can you see a scenario where they go forward with eight, nine teams playing a season and, and just trying to put it together like that and letting the other ones, hey, you opt out, That that's fine with us? Yeah, I think everything would be on the table, yeah. but then – so the, the teams that vote to play, are they, are, they, are they the only ones whose votes matter in terms of that? And <laughs> right. then maybe – um, you know, if it's eight schools that decide to play, obviously that's one less than the nine that you need um, to be able to go ahead. The, the you know, the majority vote to uh, play football, you know, if the eight that decide to play, you know, if the other um, six say, yeah, that's fine, but we want you know, we want our share of the pie, then what happens, you know, because that's the that's one of the big um selling points in the big 10 for for member schools is it really doesn't matter um you know what the results are at the end of the year everybody gets an equal split of the pie um do you do that if some of these teams opt opt out and um yeah i mean i suppose it could get messy and it's already been really messy we yeah. we um kind of touched on you know ryan day coming out with a public statement i think that was on friday yeah. maybe and James a pretty Franklin strongly as worded well. one as well yeah yeah, and criticizing the Big Ten. You, I can't remember ever seeing that. No. And, and I started following this conference uh, from a journalistic standpoint in 97, and I, you just never hear ADs. I have never heard Kirk Ferentz criticize the Big Ten, ever. I've heard him criticize the NCAA, but I've never heard him criticize the Big Ten. Mm. That's just kind of one of those unwritten, or maybe it is written, rules that you don't turn on your league. And we've seen a lot of that in the last 33 days, which I guess um, kind of uh, magnifies how important this is to people and how unusual these times are. But uh, both Day and Franklin kind of walked that back a little bit on game day on on um, on Saturday saying, you know, they, they it's not that they have a problem with the decision. They just have a problem with the communication. And I really think that's pretty, pretty much the root of all this. Big Ten, and we've talked about on here, Andrew, the communication has just been terrible. And it continues to be here. Um, we're not really, you know, we're, we're relying on, on, you know, unnamed source reports here. Um, and, and that's what has me a little bit hesitant, that we're going to get set up for something here that's not going to happen or not what we, we think is going to happen happen and um you know and, and and if you get yourself where you're not starting to whatever the 17th or the 24th you really have no margin for error we've seen how many what three big 10 or three big 12 games excuse me were canceled or yeah. postponed this weekend uh we're seeing um different you know it's a fa- the covid is definitely affecting college football it's not like this stuff's going i know people are saying well everybody else is playing yeah they're trying to play but there's certainly a, it, it certainly has not been without hiccups and you have to figure that the big 10 whenever it gets back is probably going to f- be faced with those hiccups as well and you really you know that that schedule we initially saw it, there were, you know, there were the, 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 there were dates built in for if you had those issues. Now there really isn't. I mean, if you're trying to get to six to eight games, are they going to be able to do that in time to be able to get themselves? Because I guess, I mean, ultimately the the reasoning here is to play for a national championship, right? That's why you'd start up earlier. 
I, I would guess so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's that has to be. Uh, it has to be part of the equation. And and as you said, if you're looking at October 17th, uh, which we can talk about whether or not that's even realistic at this point uh, for most schools. Yeah, you're talking about no room for error. Uh, having a a big ten big. 10 championship game in early December and then going right into you know whatever a bowl season or a playoff season would look like and if you're not going to hit that window I guess what is the point of rushing this if, if it's if all you're going to play for is a Big Ten championship and even that would be kind of a watered down Big Ten championship if several teams decide not to play um then what's kind of the point of all this? Is it to get some money into the coffers and get that that TV deal done? Is it to get these guys some some reps and and put some more tape on film for guys who are trying to go to the NFL in 2021? Uh, is it just to to kind of erase some of this bad PR and, and give your fans a bone and say, hey, look, we're trying to do what we can and here's some football, even though ultimately it, it's not going to mean anything. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they pull this together and kind of what the other leagues are going to be willing. To to um, accept from the Big Ten at this point. You know, I, I would hope that there hasn't been a battle line drawn between the Big Ten, Pac-12, and then the other three leagues so deep that it can't be overcome or that they can't be uh, a little, uh, give a little leeway to these leagues. I don't know if the Pac-12 is talking about playing, but certainly for the Big Ten, because if the Big Ten's only going to play eight games, uh, you know, I, how could they play any more than that? I, you, I, I don't think they could. And so, if you're the if you're an SEC team that just went ten and zero or nine and one, you know, if, let's say nine and one. If your Oklahoma goes nine and one and, and Ohio State goes eight and zero, uh, you know, how do you make that determination? It's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Again, assuming that that actually something happens, and it's going to have to happen quick, Rob. And, and let's talk a little bit about your exchange with uh, with Maurice Goodson because he's been very vocal about wanting to play, uh, wanting to get get this thing going as quickly as possible, uh, but within reason. And I, th- I thought it was a good point that he made on Twitter, and, and that you and, and he were kind of talking about, which was, I want this to happen. I want it to happen now, but. I also want my kid to be safe, and and not just from the global pandemic we're all experiencing, but uh, from a conditioning standpoint and a preparation to play standpoint. Again, we're not going to be going out there and playing against you and I, and no offense to you and I or any other. I mean, we saw the Sun Belt go three and zero against the Big Twelve this this weekend. So, no offense to these lower tier leagues, but these aren't going to be preseason games. These aren't going to be non conference games. I mean, you're, you're going to start with Big Ten competition, and uh, and you need to be ready to play. I would just got back into into a workout mode Wisconsin is currently uh, out right now for at least a week or a couple of weeks before they can even begin working out again uh, what I mean what is a realistic time frame is is four weeks possible is is eight weeks more likely uh, I've seen those two numbers and and really everything in between thrown about a little bit it's I don't know how getting ready in in this short of amount of time is going to be good for anybody yeah, and um, you know we go back to uh, you know early in the summer when when Kirk Ferentz was talking about you know that four to six week window, um, and they have trained, but the training was very fragmented this summer, and they they talked about that last month or maybe at the end of July that you know a lot of workouts were you know 
not paused, but just were not 100% attendance because of testing, contact tracing. So it was, it wasn't like Iowa had its normal summer conditioning leading up to training camp. And then they got into training camp and had, I don't know what it was, maybe a week, week and a half. They got right on the precipice of being able to practice in pads. And then the big 10 shut that down and then eventually postponed the fall season. Uh, but they haven't been in pads or, and had contact since December. So, hmm. you know, it's, I, I, I heard or saw Barry Alvarez say he could, you know, they could be ready in, in three weeks. That seems really optimistic to me. I mean, he knows more than I do. I mean, he's, he's um, obviously been around the game a lot more and knows what his athletes have been able to do. But they're basically shut down, you know, till the end of this month or close to the end of this month. Like you said, Iowa missed a week earlier this month. Uh, they're doing 12 hours a week, basically just lifting uh, some light, maybe film work and things like it's not like they're it's not like they've been that gearing up conditioning stage leading up to training camp. So there has to be some conditioning and then you go into training camp and then you get in into pads. I mean, I, I got to think it's at least a minimum of four weeks. And that's kind of what I said to Maurice yesterday on social media and said, you know, four to six weeks seems like a logical window here. I know Harbaugh said, what, two weeks last? But he's a little off anyway. He's a little, <laughs> yes, he's he not, is. I don't think he's got both oars in the water most of the time anyway. And I think he speaks, <laughs> often speaks from the cuff to, uh, instead of speaking th- from reality. And, um, I th- they better be careful here. You know, you, you, you're talking about safety as the reason why you're postponing mm. football, you know, safety in ter- as it relates to the virus. You can't compromise the safety of getting players back into the necessary condition and shape they need to be in to play. I mean, you're just – I mean, that's just – it doesn't make any sense. So – and we're already, what, on the f- – you know, at the 14th at this point. And, uh, you know, so when's the earliest that this vote happens and they're able to get back to, you know, gearing this thing up again? Does it come later this week? Um, Yeah, I mean, October 17th still feels a little bit um, maybe overly ambitious to me. But again, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area and I'm just going based off of what we've heard and what we've kind of been told from, you know, some coaches and, and players before this and that, uh, um, you know that a, that a parent of Iowa starting running back has concerns, and he played college football. You know that that to me at least that that adds validity to the case that it's going to maybe take a little bit longer than people want to get Big Ten football back. I guess if. So, so there's just so much that's going to be interesting. You wonder if the the vote if the vote happens today, tomorrow, the next couple of days, you know, how quickly do they? Do, I mean, is it just go? If you want to play, go. You wonder if it'll be if, if it'll be reported as a unanim a unanimous vote, and then teams will opt out. Uh, so that that way there is unity. We all want to play. We've all been convinced by this new medical information, whatever that may be, uh, and we all think this is a safe thing as a league, but individually you know Rutgers decides we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna do it this year um 
And then, yeah, how quickly can you do this? How quickly can teams get back? Is that quick enough to be a part of a, a playoff or, or bowl system or whatever? If not, what's the rush? Uh, are we still looking at an October start if, if you're certain that you're not going to be a part of, of the, the other three leagues? Uh, there's just so much still up in the air. Um, and it's just, as, as we've said, hard to really kind of get your hopes up. I do another interesting angle to this, which of course every day it seems like there's some weird monkey wrench or oddity that happens. Sean Wade (laughs) declaring for the NFL draft this morning and opting out for Ohio State when his dad has been one of the most vocal parents in this group. And I get it; it's separate. It's kind of the Kevin Warren and his son situation. His his son needs to do what's best for him, and the father. I think I can't remember the father's first name, but uh, and I apologize for that. But he's he's said along. It's you know all along. It's 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 about more than Sean. It's about all these these student athletes getting a chance to play, and his son needs to do what's best for him. But Ohio State's had two of its best players, two first round picks, already opt out, and Sean Wade, an offensive lineman, Wyatt Davis, and Sean Wade said today a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty. So at least from what he's hearing, it doesn't seem like he feels like a return to the field is imminent. And maybe maybe that's partially too he just got to the point and was like, listen, at this point, we're getting, you know, we're, we're not going to start till the middle to late October at the earliest. And I don't want to put myself in that position with, you know, uh, you know, the chance of me being a first round pick, a good chance of me being a first round pick uh, with all that guaranteed money. So it'll be interesting to see, as you said, how quick will this happen? And the longer it goes, how far does it push the season? And then are there got more guys that are going to opt out? Which teams are going to play? which teams aren't going to play. If you're reducing the number of teams, like we said earlier, if there's only eight teams playing, then when you have a team or two that gets compromised by COVID, it even impacts mm-hmm. the it impacts the league even more because then there are fewer teams playing. So this, you know, I hope if it's safe to, to see Big Ten football, I've always wanted that all along, but this isn't going to be without hurdles. And and I think there are still more to clear here. Um, that's, again, why I'm going back to what we talked about earlier, Andrew, and I know you're in the same boat. Uh, I'm, I'm proceeding with caution here. If the Big Ten had not canceled, if they had come out six weeks ago and said, we're still not sure – we're gonna try, you know. We're we're kind of keeping this in the air. Um, I, I feel like they'd be in such a better position. It it feels like when they when they made the decision to cancel, it was kind of like okay, everybody go home. We're done. Uh, and and rather than kind of continuing to work on these things, I think that's that's maybe the the biggest thing that that I see with the cancellation because I, I can respect their decision to not play. There was a lot up in the air. Uh, we don't know exactly what medical information they were going off of, which is a, an issue in, in its own right. But um, I can respect them for making that call. Uh, a lot of entities around the country, around the world, have made that decision on several big events, several seasons, several things like that. We've all sacrificed. Uh, we all understand what we're facing here. And so I think most logical people can see what the Big Ten did and, and understand, uh, in general, why they made that decision. But if, if ultimately you were going to, if there was any room to reverse that decision, if this was a possibility, even as we sit here in, in the middle of September, and we're looking, you know, six weeks out. It feels like they jumped the gun too quickly, uh, while knowing that 
the unknown is is still out there. They had no idea what the medical uh, information was going to be like six weeks from that date or what testing was going to do. And, and I get that that makes the decision harder, uh, but it also would have given them some leeway to had they not made that definitive decision right then, uh, to, to have teams who, who are maybe more ready to play right now, to have a schedule that is is kind of ready to go and uh, and have some of these answers already figured out rather than you know scrambling in these next few weeks to get all this put together. It just, uh, again, we can talk about whether or not it was the right decision, but I do think now, especially the, the – that it seems like they're considering walking back this decision tells me that they they weren't as solid in this decision as maybe they needed to be when they made it initially. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, and I'm kind of writing something in that regard as well, I hope. Um, it, I'm trying to put something together, putting my thoughts into a, a, a Word document, so to speak. Um, we don't have a breaking news uh, uh, sound effect here, but... <laughs> Iowa has released its latest COVID-19 testing. Ah. So let me read what we have here. The University of Iowa Athletic Department conducted 677 COVID-19 tests for the week of September 7th through 13th, so through yesterday, which was Sunday. 24 positive tests and 653 negative tests have been received. As part of the return to campus protocol, tests began March 29th. And the total numbers now, Andrew, 221 positive tests out of 3,489, or or, excuse me, and 3,489 negative tests and one inconclusive. Mm. So 24, I'm bad at math, but 24 (laughs) out of 677 this week. So I mean, it's 24 more is not insignificant. It's not. No, it's not. And you know, it's funny how these. These numbers change, or I guess the way we react to these numbers change so drastically or have changed over the, the course of this pandemic. I mean, even a month ago, if 24 people had had if this was the announcement a month ago to said, whoa, it would have been, you know, oh, my gosh. But, you know, then you know, three weeks ago, we had 93. So now 24 doesn't seem all that bad. Um, yeah. It's you know, and, another interesting aspect of this. And I saw this touched on yesterday. I can't remember if it was Pete Thamel or another one of the national reporters. One thing to keep in mind here is I think if you're talking about protocols and I don't know, what do you call them? Benchmarks or requirements. If the Big Ten does play again, I I got a feeling they're going to be the most stringent of anybody in terms of thresholds. Mm -hmm. So and that kind of ties into what we're reading here on the latest Iowa uh, results from COVID testing. I just, uh, how often are they going to test? Obviously, as you said earlier in the podcast, those antigen, those rapid antigen tests mm-hmm. are, that's a game changer. That's been the game changer. If you're looking at something from what happened, you know, early August to now, that's the biggest difference. Being able to test and have a test come back within 15 minutes with results, that not only helps you in terms of you know, catching it earlier and 
testing more often to be able to find it quicker. But the contact tracing, what we talked about earlier in terms of Iowa having to, you know, having position groups and roommates and things like, you know, different groups of people this summer having to quarantine and shut down. A lot of that has to do with contact tracing. There may only be one, two, three people that have it, but if that person or those people have been exposed to 10 to 15 others, that changes everything. So the, the antigen, the antigen testing to me is the biggest change. When, when, if the big 10 does come out and say, Hey, we're, we're going to go ahead with this they're going to hang their hat on that testing as the possible you know as the reasoning to what's different now you know from what was happening 33 34 days ago and then i think they're also going to be really really harsh with what the what teams have to do to be able to compete i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I hope that the Big Ten has learned uh, a lesson from these last, you know, this last month or, or plus. And when they do make this announcement, if they do make this announcement, if if this vote is held in the next couple of days, and they decide to proceed, and and you know, even if they can't come out that day with a full schedule or or anything like that, um, even there are going to have to be things that are that are worked out. What they need to be is very transparent and very clear. What did you see the first? time that changed this time if it is that testing uh, details on that testing how are you going to get these tests uh, how often is, is this testing going to happen um, the big 12 laid out a real good um plan for testing and then you know what happens with the myocarditis uh, you know these these hard echoes and things like that that they're going to require before a player is able to come back uh, these things need to be laid out very clearly because uh, the Big Ten has lost all benefit of the doubt when it comes to, to lack of communication at this point and so even though you're now going to again assuming they make an announcement at some point that football is going to proceed at some point this fall um even though this announcement is going to make people happy, that doesn't change the fact that you need to have some transparency and clarity because it's also going to make some people upset, Rob, and we know that for sure. Nothing nothing is, is black and white in this uh, virus, and nothing is apolitical. Uh, people are going to be upset if the Big Ten decides to play football. People who thought this was the right decision, uh, people will players will, will likely opt out at, at that point. Um, so it's going to be very important for Kevin Warren to be very available Available, uh, to not just go on the Big Ten Network and, and kind of dodge some questions, but to be able to to answer these things, uh, to put out you know a, a ten page sheet of you know whatever of guidelines of this is what changed, this is how the vote went, this is I, I just I hope that we get more clarity 
on whatever happens in these next couple of days, because I fear that if it doesn't pass, we will kind of never hear about that. And it will kind of come out that, yeah, you know, they weren't convinced by the medical stuff and it just was a non-starter. Whether or not that's true, I think that's what we'll hear. And I hope that if it does pass, we don't hear, hey, it was unanimous vote. We're all good. We're moving forward. Uh, they, They just, I hope they've learned their lesson from the negative PR they've received over these last 34, 35 days. Um, and, and can give us some real transparency about – because even – I don't know if this is the right decision. I don't know if canceling was the right decision or if resuming will be the right decision. Ultimately, we'll all find out in the end, I guess. Uh, but I need, I'm going to need some transparency to convince me that of, of why they are reversing their decision if that's ultimately what they decide, what they decide to do. Yeah, I agree with you, Andrew. And ideally, what they should do is when they come out, they um, – I don't know how much they want to admit to messing this up, the message up and and communication and transparency from early on, but to, you know, gain control of the message because I don't think they've ever had control of it. So they're not regaining it there. They would gain control of the message to come out and say, okay, this is why we postponed. These, These are the thing. These are the reasons why we postponed. And here's a detailed as you said, reasoning as to why we've decided to go ahead and reverse that and play. And I think they can do that. And reasonable people will accept that. They're, you're, you're not going to reach everybody and not everybody's going to be satisfied. And there are going to be, you know, the I won't name names, but there are going to be people that say, you know, that they, they are admitting they were wrong. Whereas I don't think that's the case. I think things have changed in the last 33 days, those rapid tests being a huge part of that. Um, One thing also to keep in mind here, Andrew, some of the reports we heard yesterday um, where, uh, you know, national reporters were saying that the meetings went well and, you know, the, the case was made and it looks good. What are those? Are those sources coaches and ads again? Right. Because I think a lot of the miscommunication or the disappointment here is because some of the reporters have gone with with the ads and the the coaches. Those are their contacts. Their contacts aren't the presidents and chancellors. I could almost guarantee you that you know Pete Thamel and Adam Rittenberg are not lined up and not talking to. Maybe they're talking to Warren, but I would be highly doubt that they're talking to the people that are actually voting on this. So there there is some aspect in my mind of mind reading here that whoever was in that meeting, whether it was the eighties the medical people and Warren along with the presidents, they're trying to read the minds of these presidents and chancellors and hoping that this presentation was enough to get them to change their minds. We don't know that's the case. I just, I, for me, again, I'm not trying to be glass half empty guy. I'm just trying to be, to try to look at this. I'm, I'm, I'm skittish now after we, <laughs> we've had, you know, the rug pulled out from us uh, uh, certain times here throughout this process i just i want to make sure that people don't get their hopes up too much and get let let down again i because it's almost like andrew that we're set up now that like you said if the presidents come down and vote this down again and don't have a reasoning why man it could get it's been ugly but it could get really ugly 
Well, we'll see what happens over the next few days, and obviously we'll have it covered uh, in full at HawkeyeNation.com, so stick with us there. Uh, Rob, one thing that did happen this weekend for sure that we all know of is we got to see some college football. It's a Power 5 college football, some major college football happening. Um, how much did you watch, and, and kind of what was your feel about the atmosphere? Was it was it different than you thought it would be? Was it more strange? Uh, I, I guess I will say I felt I was I was bracing myself for more strange this strangeness than I actually felt. I, I think when I actually turned on a game and and kind of lost myself in, into a game, uh, it it really just kind of felt like a normal college football Saturday. And yeah, there were some weird things and some shots of of you know sparse crowds or or no crowds. That would bring you back to the fact that we're in a global pandemic. But for the most part, I will say, at least on Saturday, uh, it felt like a college football Saturday, more so than I than I maybe expected it to. Don't you feel like part of that is we were we were prepared by watching some other sports that play already without fans yes, like the NBA and absolutely. stuff? That, for me, yes. that was the case. Yes. It's a really good You felt point. that way? Yeah. I do. It just because I think the other sports have done a really good job in terms of even baseball, you know, with the piped in or however fake crowd noise they use on TV. It, it, it gives that feel when you're watching it on TV. Obviously, when you're there, that's the big difference. But I hear from athletes and coaches that they're able to tune everything out that's happening off the field anyway. Don't know if I buy that fully, especially when you're especially when you're playing at home and you get that you know, that energy and that extra push from the crowd. Um, but I, I really didn't notice it that much. I, I, not at all. Like you said, maybe when they pan to some crowd shots, the thing that stood out to me was the sloppiness of the play. Yes. Um, from what was the game? Uh, the BYU Navy game, I guess was last Monday night after we talked, that was just Navy looked like it hadn't played football in years and they hadn't practiced and they hadn't, I guess we, I guess we did talk about that on Tuesday because we didn't record until Tuesday last week, but watching the Iowa state game with the drop passes, man, and missed tackles, it was, and that's, that's to me something that's kind of in the back of my head too. When we're talking about big 10 football and them coming back, what's it going to look like? It's you know it's, I mean it, yeah. any football's I mean I just enjoy watching football but it's hard when it's not played well and it's you could argue it's the the sport that needs the most practice for continuity and cohesion you know you're talking about you know line play and you know, uh, timing with, with the quarterback and receivers. And obviously for Iowa, it's certainly, you know, you have a new quarterback mm-hmm. that's going to be playing and, and several new offensive linemen or, or offensive linemen that are in different spots than they were before. So that to me will be one of the more interesting things. And, you know, we talked about the Big Ten. You know, you talked about the Big Ten maybe should have waited, and I think it could have waited longer. Obviously, whatever it was, whether it was the myocarditis reports, the lack of testing, whatever spooked the presidents and the chancellors into saying, that's it, we're not, we're pulling the plug. I don't think the SEC starts until the last weekend of this month. Am I correct with I that? I think you're right, yeah, the 26th, yep. So I, I don't know what the rush was. They could have waited till the end of August, even the beginning yeah. of September and just said, hey, you know, we, we still don't like what we see. I mean, the SEC is waiting all the way till the end of September. So, I mean, if the Big Ten were to start on the 17th, that's what they'd be three weeks behind, which isn't an enormous amount of time to make up. But 
Um, I'll be interested to see what the see what the quality of play in, is in the SEC because that's really the standard right now. But the, you know, those schools haven't played in a long time. It will be interesting to see because did you watch the, much of the Iowa State game? I did. Yeah, I saw, I saw quite a bit of it. And uh, and as you were talking about the sloppiness, it really made me think of. Uh, and I've I heard Matt Campbell talk about you know it's really hard to have a full speed. Uh, kick return or punt return right. in practice and we saw that with Iowa State they got burned on two of those a kick return and a punt return we saw the the raging Cajuns Louisville or Louisiana um missed two chip shot field goals so I think mm-hmm. when you're talking about some of this sloppy play special teams is going to be a place where it's definitely going to rear its ugly head although I as an Iowa fan I feel okay about that because we've got a as solid of a kicker as, as maybe we've ever had uh, in Keith Duncan and if you're talking about teams with uh with you know coverage issues we've got one of the best return men in the game in, in Amir Smith Marset and so um you know looking forward and, and prognosticating hoping that Iowa gets on the field at some point uh, the quarterback is certainly a question, but I do think the the special teams that Iowa has is probably a, a big advantage. How many games do you think they need to play in order to put themselves in the college football? Because my original thought for the spring was six, you know, the six in division games, and then play the big. Ten yeah. championship, and I'm wondering if that's enough. If they start, you know, October 17th, and give yourself some some off weeks where you can so in case there are postponements if you can get to that six or seven game threshold and then play a championship game um i'm wondering if that's enough if and you know we're we're kind of wondering also does the sec get to 10 games does the big 12 i mean the big 12's already had games canceled do they get how many games do all of these conferences get to and how do you measure that that's kind of the thing you wonder you hope that the big 10 is kind of talking with these other conferences and then certain Certainly, with the college football playoff committee and, and Gary Barta, who who heads up that committee, is is a, a good connection there. But um, because it, it'd be easy for the SEC or Big Twelve to say, well, if you're only going to play six or seven games, you're not you're not there. But then ultimately, they may only end up playing six or seven games. And so I think it I think it will really depend, Rob, on on how many teams ultimately decide to play. And so let's assume that the Big Ten moves forward and eight teams decide to play. Well, if the Big Ten says, hey, every team's going to play each other, we're going to do a seven-game season and then have a conference championship, I don't see how anybody could look at that and say, well, that that's not enough. Right. Um, if if 11 teams play and they only play six games, maybe there's more of a question there. But I, I think if you can get six or seven games and a championship game, I think that has to be – Again, at some point, you're just going to have to understand nothing is normal. This is a weird year. It's weird for everybody. Let's have some grace here as as a you know college football entity and allow the Big Ten to kind of, uh, with their tail between their legs already, come back into the fold here, and whatever they can kind of put together, we will then you know judge it all on its merits at the end of the day because there will certainly be teams who don't play their fully scheduled. I mean, Iowa State plays T- at TCU a week from Saturday, and TCU didn't play this past weekend because they had a, a bit of a COVID outbreak. And so as we sit here today, it seems like that game will be on, but that could change between now and then, and there's not a lot of room to make these games up, and so if um, 
if if the Big 12 or SEC or ACC uh, is sitting too high on their horse right now, that may come back to bite them ultimately too when Clemson is 7-0 and and they're trying to get them into the college football playoff and, and they said, well, Ohio State can't only play seven games and still get in. So I would hope that uh, – that they're already kind of in in these conversations. They're having these conversations. I, I hope that Kevin Warren kind of has it, uh, you know, a, a back channel a handshake deal with these other leagues. That hey, if if we can do this, you're going to let us kind of into the party, right? I, I would hope that that's already been been considered. But I guess at this point, uh, hoping for the Big Ten to do things the right way is uh, maybe a fool's errand. Yeah, and he thought. I think I, I I'll go to my grave thinking that he thought the other the other yeah. conferences were going to cancel when the Big Ten did. Um, so I, my favorite thing on Twitter that I saw this week was uh, uh, the most normal thing in 2020 was the Cyclones losing on Cyhawk Week. <laughs> Uh, you know, it was it was a weird day Saturday. You know, waking up and all, all over my Twitter feed at least there was Cyclone fans getting ready. Right, it's game day. They're all excited, and even though they can't tailgate or go to the game, they were uh, you know watching it with their families. They had their gear on. They were excited uh, once again. You know, a, a hyped Iowa State team that maybe is going to be the best team in the history of their program. Uh, and then and, and and Iowa fans who were really kind of down in the dumps, man. The rest of the world or much of the rest of the country was. Uh, gearing up for game day and, and we were kind of left out cold and trying to decide you know what to watch and when to watch it and how much to watch and when to start drinking um, but by about two o'clock in the afternoon that had all flipped at least on my social media and Iowa fans really relished the fact that Iowa State got thumped by a Sunbelt team in their own stadium and, and didn't just get beat they got they got dominated in that second half there's no doubt about it uh, just a really kind of an interesting day to see that see that flip and then see Iowa fans really kind of the schadenfreude right the, the relishing in somebody else's pain that went on on Saturday afternoon and has really kind of carried on through the weekend um at least we yeah, had that, that Rob. At that, least the we worst had thing, that. The, what made matters worse for the Cyclone fans is that the Iowa fans had nothing else to do except <laughs> yes, for exactly annoy, annoy them. Exactly. <laughs> so I got something else here as 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 likely to happen when we're recording these things. Um, Vanessa Miller from the Cedar Rapids Gazette says, and I saw this. I think you and I announced this earlier today. Um, Iowa will not have a spring break next year, and will start the spring semester a week later than it already planned so this is good news for basketball yes and let's let's kind of go go there with college basketball because that as we've talked about this a lot that there's a nice gap there uh, in if if most schools are sending kids home at Thanksgiving and asking them not to come back uh, until at least did you ever do anything crazy on spring break? No, no, never did. We, we I've been I've been skiing in Colorado on spring break with my family since I was like six, and so it's it's like the least party spring break you could ever have. I I go and uh, stay in a so cabin it wouldn't with have my been parents devastating and ski for you had they canceled spring break when you were in college. No, definitely not. No, I, I never went down to Panama city or you know any anything like that never did how about you yeah i went to florida was in uh fort lauderdale once and daytona once uh, and uh we'll leave it at that <laughs> i think i saw you <laughs> but i'm sorry MTV I, I interrupted you but i was just thinking in my head man that's gotta i mean that's spring break that's for a, a lot of kids is that's one of those things where you really look forward to so that's something that uh 
No spring break, and and they normally start, I believe, after MLK Day. Yeah. So that's going to push it almost to the end of January. So yeah, you're looking. I mean, so so theori- theoretically, uh, you could almost bubble a, a college basketball, the entirety of college basketball, uh, from Thanksgiving to almost February, um, and that's that's enough time to get in an entire Big Ten schedule, isn't it? Yeah, you would think you'd be able to get some non-con in. <laughs> right. And, Right? Absolutely. Ooh, I like that. So maybe that. do a non-con uh, around, you know, starting a little after Thanksgiving or maybe for Thanksgiving weekend. Get that on TV, you know, get that as, you know, put it front and center. Here's a here's college basketball non-conference bubbles happening all over. You know, there's one in maybe, I don't know where they put it, Omaha or Minneapolis or St. Louis or Kansas City. Um, you know, for I'm talking for, in terms of Iowa and yeah. Iowa State, and then you know branch them out at different spots around the country. I think people would eat that up. I think you're exactly right. That's a uh, ooh, that's a lot. And they of fun did to think say about. this week. I saw. I can't remember who the national writer was. That by the end of this week, we could have a date when they're going to target to start college basketball. That's I, I like that. I, and I like that they're thinking ahead here. Uh, they're certainly working on this, and uh, and that's going to be great news when that comes out, when they start to talk about uh, what actually what a college basketball season will look like, what the non-conference will look like, what their plans are for a conference season, uh, and then what what a an NCAA tournament could look like. I don't think this is possible, Rob, but you and I didn't talk about this. Uh, I think it was last week the ACC coaches came out, uh, led by Coach K, and said – Hey, we'd be all for a uh, an all-inclusive NCAA tournament. Uh, 350 teams or thereabouts. I think I saw somebody had counted out to like 348 when you have several, uh, like Oklahoma State is, is banned from the postseason this year and, and things like that. But um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on an all-inclusive NCAA tournament? Unnecessary. <laughs> I think just, you're right. I don't, I, 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 there's a lot... As somebody who has covered Iowa basketball back to the late 90s, 97, I've seen a lot of really, really bad teams that have come through Carver-Hawkeye Arena um, early in the season, directional schools and MEAC schools. I don't need to see those teams in a tournament. I just – no offense, and I'm, I'm happy that those – you know those student athletes have a chance to compete and they come to Iowa and Iowa State and they get the paychecks and it helps support their athletic program I do not need to see that I don't even I just think they plus you know you know they're talking about in terms of we're still going to be dealing with the virus then why why would you want to have more teams and and more people exposed I just if they're if if as we talked about Andrew if they're able to start this thing around Thanksgiving and go through January and get as many games as they can and then just maybe piece together February a, a February schedule that might be able to lead up to uh, you know conference tournaments possibly and then the big dance in March just focus on that just focus on there'll be enough though the resumes will be enough where they don't have to jam 300 teams into into a tournament bracket man you imagine having to fill that out <laughs> you know it's funny I said uh, I, I said you know I'm, I'd be all for more college basketball I'm, I'm never gonna say no to that especially in a year like this where I expect the Hawkeyes to be good and I'm worried that we won't get as much college basketball as, uh, as I'm hoping for on the other hand I really don't want to see the 
two seed Hawkeyes lose to like the eighty seven seed uh, in the in the first round. I I, I do not need that in twenty twenty one. Quickly before we get out of here, uh, John Rothstein has put out his Big Ten preseason preview, and as you would expect, he's been pretty high on on Iowa and Luca Garza for sure. Uh, but he has Luca Garza as his Big Ten preseason player of the year, which I think that'll be a unanimous thing uh, for from everybody who who makes these lists. Uh, but his Big Ten power rankings, he does have Iowa uh, atop the field. He expects them to be the, uh, the the best team in the Big Ten this season. He's got Wisconsin 2, Illinois 3, and then Michigan State down at 4. Uh, so so some good news uh, for, for Hawkeye fans who didn't have a college football game to watch this season and are excited about the possibility of a, of a full college basketball season coming up. Yeah, it seems like those top four are kind of in a tier yeah, of their own. they do. And you always kind of have to put Michigan State in there, even though it lost a lot from last year, you know, the point guard being, you know, Cassius Winston being the biggest part of that. Um, but yeah, I just, you can, I think you put Iowa, Wisconsin and Illinois in a hat in terms of what it, what those programs have returning and then Michigan state, just because it's Michigan state and you know, it's going to be good every year. Um, I think he had Michigan way down in the middle. That was interesting yeah. because Michigan's been pretty solid. That's not that doesn't speak well to to what Juwan Howard is able to put together there. And then uh, Ohio State seems to have fallen off a little bit as well. But if other teams are rising, cer- other te- you know certain teams have to fall too. But uh, I'm interested. To see, I'm just so interested to see what college basketball is going to look like and. Who knows? It could have both football and basketball both rolling, you know, with mm. a regular season through December or into December. Because uh, I, I think if you're the Big Ten, you have to at least. I want. Do you know when? I know they moved back the selection day for the college football playoff. I want to say it's like the third week of December. I think that's so you right. could conceivably, conceivably play your season all the way until maybe that second week of December mm. uh, if you're the Big Ten football. And then still play a play a conference championship game, kind of like basketball does. A Big Ten basketball title game for the Big Ten tournament is on that Sunday of Selection Sunday. Maybe football can do that. Maybe on that Saturday or Sunday when they, de- I think maybe they decide on a Monday though. But have that weekend, and that would be the best if people are like, well. The Big Ten only played X number of games, mm-hmm. and should it really be allowed into, or will it be picked? Can, can we get a, a a firm evaluation on which of the you know you know we're thinking Ohio State would be that team? But if you play that that championship game on that Saturday night before they pick, you leave that lasting impression of okay, man, this team deserves to be in yeah. there. You can kind of put yourself on on the big stage for the Big Ten championship game and and give the the people in the, you know the the selectors the people on the committee something to think about yeah similar to the, the Big Ten basketball tournament traditionally kind of be in that last game on selection yeah. Sunday and you know you you get a big win there and it may bump your seat up a, a little bit there uh, Rob before we go man uh, I'm gonna ask for a prediction I'm, I'm gonna make one myself uh, I'm gonna stay optimistic I think that when you and I reconvene a week from today we will be talking about a Big Ten football schedule. I don't know that we will know the teams, but I think we will know the dates, and I think we will have a game day date for Iowa football. Do you agree? 
man, I'm so <laughs> unsure on this one. I want to say yes. I'm going to say yes just to be optimistic. Yeah, that's I'm still where I'm at too. apprehensive. I'm not really Other convinced. Things we just, didn't touch yeah. on. They did one of the uh, two parts of the presentation this weekend. It wasn't only medical, but they also presented TV and mm. a schedule. Uh, to the president, oh, that's and good. Kind of gave them uh, an outline of what that would look like as well. So um, that's something to to think about in terms of. So you hope, Andrew, that when this does come out, they give you everything. They give you, hey, we're playing, yes. and here's when we're playing, and this is who's playing, because, like you said, if only eight teams play. They got to blow up the divisions, right? Because yes. they would, if you if yep. you look at it and, and go just by what the speculation or on you know the sourced reports are, if you figure that Michigan and Michigan State are out, Illinois and Northwestern are out, that evens up the divisions. But if Rutgers and Maryland out, those are two from the East that would be out, and you'd have to blow up the divisions and kind of just make it a, a you know a traditional round robin. But then, how do you decide who plays? In the championship game, you would have to have some type of tiebreaker set up as well. I'm complicating things yeah, more. Than, no, just I'm making a complicated situation more complicated. Well, it's going to be very complicated. I guess the first thing <laughs> is we have to take that first step and uh, and decide whether or not we're going to play football this fall. Again, keep it to uh, HawkeyeNation.com, and uh, we'll have all of this covered uh, throughout the entire week, and and you know hopefully into a football season here when uh, when we can start doing more and, and covering actual games. Rob, what do you have coming up on the site this week people should be looking out for? Um, I'm hoping to do a um, a prospect podcast with Jeremiah Pittman, um, defensive lineman from Illinois who's committed to Iowa in the 2021 class. Um, Working on a column, as I said, just kind of on this big – I haven't written a lot about the overall conference situation, so working on something there on that as well. Iowa offered a tight end, James Carney. Uh, he's not from Carney, Nebraska, but he is from Nebraska. Um, they offered him a scholarship this weekend. He's a tight end in the 2021 class, and uh, he was committed to Miami of Ohio. Uh, when Iowa offered, he decommitted from Miami of Ohio. I think there's some other schools sniffing around, including Nebraska. Uh, so interesting uh, there, that could be Iowa's tight end in this class, and I will have an interview with him and a story up on him shortly. Um, tomorrow, I will recap the Hawkeyes in the NFL. Uh, I saw TJ Hawkinson scored a touchdown, and um, the Packers won. So yeah. Christian Kirksey and Josh Jackson, a lot of good stuff going on with the the Hawkeyes in the NFL. So we'll have a roundup on that on on Tuesday at some point. Fantastic! Thank you, Rob. As always, hopefully. Uh... We don't sound dumb when we come on the podcast uh, next week. As, as I, th- I feel like we were pretty optimistic this week. Uh, uh, I hope some of that actually pans out. Yeah, I do too. I think that rapid testing, I think, is the key to this thing. But it's just a matter of convincing academic people that uh, this, this is worth doing. And that's always a hurdle. And I just want people to be cautiously optimistic. I'm going to say there is football. And, and I, I hope there is. I've always hoped there would be yeah. if it's safe to do. And, and if the medical people think it's safe to do, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. I agree completely. Thank you, man. As always, thank you for listening. And go Hawks.